0: Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support. Because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. So this week I have uh, a local celebrity, I guess. <laughs> um, his name is Wayne Nail. He is a person in long-term recovery. Yep. Uh, what was your path to recovery? Oh, um,
1: mine was through the church. So... Uh, lived in California, grew up in California, circumstances, wound up in Florida, and my grandparents invited me to church. And um, it was from there, the first day, first time I went was, um, I was still a vandal. I was still that, that guy that just destroyed stuff. And, and so I sat in the back and carved into, their, into the pew, actually with my knife carving into the pew of the, at the church. And I felt guilty about that. For my grandparents, because they took me in when no one would. Um, so then, the next week, I told them, you know, I'll go back with you. I'll sit and I'll listen, and I'll just I'll be, I'll be good. And when I listened, it, it just hit me. It was something different, and it was something I needed. And so, I went up and um, almost uh, about half an eight ball, and put that on the on the altar. Left my my dope, my cigarettes, my weed, everything on the altar, and I walked out. Aren't you only supposed to die ten percent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Thinking back, I, I maybe overdid it, but uh, but it was all or nothing, and so I. That's that's was my. That was the day I got clean. That was uh, in August of twenty
0: or nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Oh wow! So yeah, so it has been a bit over three decades ago. Yeah, thirty <clears> years. So. Uh, here in the podcast, and per, me personally, uh, we are firm believers in a, a lot of things. you know. But one of those things that we believe in is there are multiple pathways to recovery. Yep. Uh, and it sounds like for you and me both, Christ was one of those pathways. Yep. But that's not actually what we are here to talk about today because I said you're kind of a local celebrity, and you <laughs> laughed at it, but... Uh, You do some pretty neat things uh, as far as putting on some concerts and stuff, and I want you to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, You said you were from California, and maybe talk to me a little bit about how all that started, maybe some of the people you worked with, and then we can kind of discuss, I think what I'd like to discuss is how it's evolved to what you do now and why you do what you do now. Okay. Uh, So, way back at the beginning. so. I started my
1: addiction early. I was 10 years old. It was 1975. And it was you know, stealing drugs from friends' parents, things like that. Um, and, and that's where the addiction started. I started actually doing, I uh, moved on to meth when I was about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. And everything just ramped up. Well, the the group I got involved with was... It was a very underground type thing, uh, and I got involved in the music, in the hardcore music scene.
0: Uh, where at in California, by the way? I was
1: in, right outside of San Francisco. Okay. I was uh, uh, At that point, I lived in Alameda, which if you've ever watched, uh, what's that science show where they, they test all the theories? I can't even think of it. Anyway, uh, all the tests that they did out at the runway and all that, that was right by my house. Okay. It was Alameda. It looked across right over to San Francisco. And um, I got involved in, in local music, um, just working with some bands, friends that were in bands and all that. Uh, I play bass, but I decided early on I couldn't, I wasn't good enough. Uh, you know, I, I had fun doing it. It was, it's still something I have fun doing, but uh, to to make it a lifestyle, I started working for bands. Okay. And so back in the day, this was uh, probably about 13 or 14 Uh, So right around 1980, uh, I would have been 15 years old, and I started meeting uh, bigger local bands. So right after that, probably around 82, 83, I started working with uh, bands like Metallica, um, just all these local San Francisco bands, uh, Death Angel, uh, just... They were still bar bands at the time. Well, to get into shows for free and actually to get into the bar shows, you had to be with the band. So I'd carry equipment. I'd do all this. And it just evolved from there, working with bands as these bands grew, um, I got to meet more people. It it was just music became how I identified with myself. I was an addict full-blown at this time, but if you ask me um, what was important in my life, it was music. Okay, And so... So you were like a roadie, or yeah, roadie. I've done roadie. I've been a roadie. I've been a stage manager. I've been tour manager. Uh, Did you tour manage for anybody? Cool. Uh, I've not probably no one. Uh, a band called Kilroy, which was big on the West Coast. Um, they were like they were like my boys. They were the ones I really hung with, and I and I I was with them for for a few quite a few years, uh, but I have traveled with some of the bigger bands. Um,
0: and that's all. Come fun. on, not to name drop, but <laughs> not name to drop. name
1: drop. Uh, biggest band. I, okay, so I haven't worked. Here's the, here's the the caveat. When these bands get big, they get um, they get their own road crews. It's no longer just your local friends that travel right. with you anymore. But I've I've set up and worked with Metallica. I've um, Exodus. Uh, I mean. These are just bands I grew up with, though. Right. And so I've worked with them. About 1985, when that when the metal scene, the underground metal scene, really blew up, um, these bands are now they're you know they're on big record labels. They're touring. Uh, you had mentioned Monsters of Rock seeing Metallica at Monsters of Rock. The last big show that I ever did anything was um, they played at the Oakland Coliseum, opening up for Journey, right? Which was another local band, L- Local Boys Made Good. Um, but they were like Steve Perry oh my gosh <laughs> yeah Steve Perry oh boy hit some notes yeah he was kind of unbelievable they, he, they are still like uh, you know how everybody has that, that decadent thing that if you looked at someone you'd say that there's no way this guy could ever listen to and right. they're, they're one of my one of my secret uh, they're in my playlist all the time um, in fact I, I actually owned the bass from Ross Valerie who was a, the bass player for Journey um, I, I used to own his bass and, uh, actually traded it for drugs. So used it as collateral and never went back and got it. But anyway, so that's, that was kind of my introduction. And then through the eighties, um, I just worked with music. It was, it was my passion. It was even in the addiction, it was the thing that kept me sane, gave me purpose. Um, but so that that was my that was my introduction to music, um, but drugs got to be really bad. Um, I'd mentioned it to you a bit ago. My my path to recovery actually started with a fight with my sisters. I have two sisters, both younger. Me and my middle sister kind of ran with the same people, ran did the same things. Um, I used to I used to bodyguard for. Um, for a meth dealer, her name was, well, I don't want to tell her name. Um, she, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no, yeah, let's not go there. Uh, but she was she was rather large in the San Francisco Bay Area as far as meth dealing. And um, the way I got my meth free was I worked with her. And so when you came to her house, you didn't come just to buy small. If you were buying weight, you'd come to her house. And I, me and my friend Eddie, we'd be the ones sitting there. Um You would the intimidators, I guess you'd say. Right. Uh, We're the ones that took care of the business. And and see, here's where my drew. uh, But my sister, okay, back to that. My sister, we ran, she was best friends with with this girl. And uh, so we ran with the same fence. Well, we got into a fight, an argument more or less about about some money that was owed. and, And I'm telling her, you can't owe these people money. Right. Because you're mad at me. Because that's what the whole thing, she was mad at me, so she wasn't going to pay them. And I said, that's not, they, they won't take that. <laughs> that's not an excuse you can give. And so we got in this big argument. And my youngest sister, um, she's like the baby, of the, the perfect angel in the family. She was, uh, she never used drugs, wasn't, you know, she was, she was a very good kid. Um, actually was a junior Olympic gold medalist in, in skating. Um, but she's standing there during this argument and it, came a point where there was a lull in this argument and she just full-arm slapped me. Alrighty then. And this is, yeah, this is like that perfect, you know, this is that one thing that was good in my life, right? Right. And, and she slapped me and, and it just, it brought me to tears. Uh, not because it hurt, but because it hurt me inside. It was like that last thing. that was good. You know, I tried to quit a hundred times, uh, 99 times it and failed. And, and here's that one thing in my life that's good that now... That, that now doesn't, in my mind, doesn't want me anymore. Right. So I called my grandparents. Uh, and we all decided I needed to get away. I could, there's no way I could quit dope where I lived just for the simple fact everybody I knew used. Uh, you know, it's amazing when you're, when you're using that much, you don't know sober people. Right. You know, sober people aren't fun in, in my eyes. So I uh, called my grandparents. I had really long hair at this time. I called my grandparents and I said, hey, is it okay if I come there? And they said, yeah, if, if you could come to Florida, we'll we'll put you up. I said, I need to get away. And they said, okay. Well, my uncle was the head of the St. Johns County Sheriff's Department. And so, yeah, so he calls me up like five minutes after I hang out with my grandparents. He calls me up and he says, if you're going to come here, you're going to cut your hair. You're going to look like a man. So braided up my hair, cut my hair off. Threw that ponytail into my bag, and when I got off to the plane, there he they were there to meet me, and uh, and I gave him my ponytail. I said, "This is yours." I said, "I can't be a man with a ponytail, so here, this is yours."
0: I have mine at home. Yeah, and it's well, weird. Still... It fills up an entire photo album. My wife thinks it's disgusting, <laughs> but it's <laughs> in one of those big photo albums that goes all the way down and halfway and back, back up. up. That's kind of what you mine know, is. And I sang in a, a hairband cover band when I was younger. So that's weird. And now I'm Paul. Now I shave my head. It's okay. You know. so, so, so okay. Just side note. This is this is way off track. Um,
1: was working with Kilroy one time, and we were we were doing a fundraiser um, for a kidna It was a, a girl that was kidnapped, and we we're doing a fundraiser for the family. Right. And uh, one of the bands that was instrumental in putting it together, we went over, and it was a bigger hair band. And we went over to the house, and I'm not going to say who, but went over to the house to have a meeting. And the guy answers the door, and we're like, "We're here to to see so and so about, right. you know, to to talk this through." And he's like, "Oh, come on in." And and it took a second, and I realized this is this is the guy, this is the drummer for this band. Well, the reason we didn't recognize him because he was bald, and he and normally, I mean, I've never seen this guy with anything but right. like but mid back long hair. I mean gorgeous blonde hair and i'm like dude what happened he's like no he goes i'm bald but it's really hard to make it as a in a hairband if you <laughs> if you're hairless and that I, makes sense and then that's why i'm like okay well that's cool and, and so that was just kind of a side note um but yeah I, I, I right now i could not see you as a hairband singer
0: yeah yeah maybe maybe you may of, not even be able to see me singing because you've never heard me sing well i
1: have heard you sing oh.
0: i heard you do karaoke at the
1: yeah, so he, got, he does have a good voice, guys. So Surprisingly. Uh, yeah, it, it's weird. It, it's it's one of those things where you just wouldn't expect it. <laughs> I don't, that was kind of like a backwards compliment. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I go to Florida, and, and, um, and, and there's drugs in Florida, just in case it, really? you don't know. Yeah, there are drugs in Florida, and it didn't take me long to find them. Um, the only difference was now, where I used to get it free, I'm now having to pay for it. And so... The the amount consumed went down quite a bit, but I was still using. Um, Long story short, my my grandparents invited me to church. I was down, had no money. And they're like, we'll we'll give you food. We'll feed you lunch if you just go to church. And I said, okay. I wasn't living with them anymore. I'd moved out on my own, doing my own thing. And um, so that's the first time I went back to the church. The first time I'd really ever stepped into a, a gospel-speaking church. Um, and like I said, I sat there in the back, and, I, and I, I carved into the pew, and I tore all the pages out of the hymnal. I was the only one sitting back there. My parent, my grandparents were in front of me. Um, I still looked uh, pretty rough then, and so no one sat beside me. It little country church. I mean, 40 people the preacher the pastor's name was Talmad country, Talmadge Etheridge.
0: Talmage.
1: Talvage. Country. Wow. But you know what? so that first day I sat there and I did and I did all that. I did my vandalism and then I felt bad for how I treated my grandparents. Church was a was an addiction to me. I did meth, you do Jesus. Whatever gets you through the day, that's fine. You stay off of me, I'll stay off of you. uh but I felt bad because my grandparents, I found out later, my grandparents were sleeping with knives under their pillow when I was actually staying at their house. These people love me so much that they were, they were willing to take me in, even though it scared
0: them what I might do. My stepmom, before I ended up moving to Missouri, uh, I mean, this is back when I was maybe a freshman in high school. Yeah. Because uh, they shipped me off to live with my brother my sophomore year, and then I came back my junior year. Uh, I mean, the police literally told her to buy a deadbolt and deadbolt her door when they went to sleep at night. See, that's... Yeah. I mean, that's, it's sad. Um, I always say, the funny thing is I'm actually a pretty decent person. If you were to talk to people now, I'm pretty empathetic. Uh, I fully believe in, uh, you know, some of those key core concepts probably on social work, like unconditional positive regard. Everybody has value. But back in the day I didn't make friends. I uh took hostages gotcha, and everybody in my life like even to this day I'm not a good friend. Um I don't think I'm because glad, I don't glad really I know, know cuz I don't really know how friendship works. Yeah, I got like you. like I do my thing and recovery takes up so much of my time that if you're not plugged into the recovery stuff, I don't have time to be a friend. Yeah, I got you. And because of all the times I've moved and then shifting from being and an atheist to agnostic to a Christian, and from partying all the time to um, no longer partying, partying I've different. shifted friends so <laughs> many times that I've never really kept a friend for very long. Okay, you know, um, the guy that was the best man in my wedding I had been friends with for years. I mean, to the point I would go to his house, he would go to mine, not knock on the door, just walk He's, in. Yep. And after I got saved and sober which I did at the same time I don't think I had another best friend for (sighs) talking about the other day I think about eight or nine years before I had somebody that I would truly consider like a best friend you know I just went eight nine years where I worked 60 hour weeks and then on the side ran Better Life and Recovery and then eventually the Springfield Recovery Community Center which was all kind of a side gig for years like Better Life and Recovery in the center grew from one event in 2012, 2013 to, you know, uh, I don't know, last year we had, I think, 11,000 people through the door, 12,000 people through the door, and another 6,000 people that came to the events and stuff we do outside of here. And we did over 800 groups and events. So, wow. you know, and we built most of that up. Uh, where it was me and two other people who were paying for the location and yeah. 100% volunteers. We did it that way until 2017. So, that's, so I mean, uh, we built it up that way. I can relate. I mean... So, it's kind of what you did. So, that's, yeah. so, I know you're talking a little bit about your recovery, but I really want to get into... Uh, um, how you kind of built up to what you do now. Okay. Um, because for the people that don't know who Wayne Nail is and not like N A I L, but N A L E. Yeah. Um, he, uh, puts on a lot of really cool Christian concerts and almost like, like two day festival music. Yeah. Festivals. We do a
1: two day music festival. Um, we do a one-off concerts, which are just, you know, you bring a band in, you have a show that night and then you move on. Um, it all started I mean my love for music never went away. Uh, it w- in fact after I got saved though I went to this I went to a thing where if it was not four part gospel, I couldn't listen to it.
0: oh wow because like, well,
1: yeah like if it wasn't like uh, gold City or you know these these I could not listen to it because it brought me back to where I to this bad place where I used to be even Christian metal at the time I could
0: not uh, see I got fortunate. Hey, you're talking at a time where, in my opinion, I mean, this is my opinion. Okay, I remember, like, okay, I knew who Jars of Clay were. Okay. And I like, I kind of like Jars of Clay. I didn't realize they were a Christian band because most of their songs that were mainstream, they could have been talking about their significant others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I liked White Lion. Yeah. You know, I liked Striper. Okay. Um I guess I, di- I didn't really care about the Christian part of it. It was metal, and then White Lion was a hairband. So, Striper, I was like, ah, you know. Um, they kind of rocked out, and, you know, with names like The Hell with the Devil and stuff like that, yes. I was like, this is
1: awesome. This can't be Christian. Uh,
0: you know, but I, I also listened back then to a lot of, I mean, I remember when Luke Skywalker came first came out. I remember when NWA first came out, when True first came out. So, I listened to a lot of uh, rap that... What people, I guess, would consider gangster rap, you yep. know, Ice-T, yep. all, all stuff like that the back first, in the day. Yeah, Before I mean, Master P was Master P, there was True, and I mean, yep. those whole bands. South Park Mexican, I mean, just so many different things. Yep. Captain Screw. but anyway. Um, <laughs> I digress. So I listened to all that, and I'll be honest with you, when I heard, like, DC Talk, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. It's like, like, it's there like was, going
1: back to Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, Even before Sugar. Sugar Hill Gang, well, yeah, I like Sugar was, Hill Gang. Yeah. I
0: like Cool Modi. So I, I like that before. <laughs> so, do <I>. uh, <clears throat> so that was something that Sugar Hill Gang came out, and then <clears throat> your, your drunk cousin tried to reproduce in the backyard at the family barbecue, <laughs> right? So, so when I heard stuff like that, that's what I thought Christian music was. Yeah, because I never really put it together that like Striper and White Lion and those bands, and I think they kind of crossed over anyway. Yeah, they had a they had a pretty big. Um, crossover. Right. Draw. And okay. even Jars of Clay, I didn't realize those were Christian bands. So when I heard Christian rap and Christian rock, I was just like, okay, That's this is crazy. gonna suck. Yeah. And then, you know, I heard people like uh, Red. Um, okay. I heard things like uh, Lecrae. You know, and I was like, wow, this is actually really good music. This, this is a little different. You know. Um, yeah. So so for me, I think I was kind of blessed too. It was a couple generations further removed. it's where i'd like to see christian movies eventually go because right now when i go to see a christian movie i'm like the acting sucks a lot of times the storyline is not great you know i remember when when a movie came out and they were so happy they're like we have kevin sorbo in this one and i'm like kevin sorbo's biggest thing previous to that was being on a (laughs) series on sci-fi i'm like you know well kirk cameron i'm like okay he was a child actor yeah he was These are not like monumental actors. And a lot of times the storylines even like, like as a, as a former atheist, I remember going to see, uh, uh, God's not dead. And they, they, they were telling people, take your friends that are atheists and and agnostics and nonbelievers. And I watched it. And afterwards, I I think, I think I went see it with my wife and we were talking afterwards. And I'm like, if when I was an atheist, if one of my friends would have took me to that movie, I would have beat them unconscious outside after the movie. Yeah. Wait, oh, yeah. all I had to have was one little epiphany, and now look! Jesus! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It, it's very simplistic. Now, I will tell you, not to get uh, diverge, but The Chosen, have you watched that? I have not. It's available for free. You can do it online. They're in the middle of making season two now. They're crowdfunding it. Okay. Probably one of the best. It's the best Christian series, and I would put it against any Christian movie ever made as far as Acting storyline, it, it very much, and I know we're way off topic, we'll get back to it, yeah, but, that's fine. but it very much follows uh, a lot of stuff in the Bible, and then they kind of ad lib in the conversations and yes. stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it was made with, uh, gee, instead of showing Jesus as a white dude, we actually have everybody portrayed by people who by look to be Mediterranean. To yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that amazes me so. So I, I like that aspect of it where it's realistic. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind unrealistic because like Hamilton yeah. is one of the absolute most brilliant. I, I love, it's weird. I love theater, which I was a dope cook that liked theater. <laughs> um, so I never really let people know that. And I would just, hey, I'm going to go to St. Louis for a couple days and go see a couple of shows. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, Hamilton was amazing and so different from anything, and it was completely recast. So I don't have a problem with it, but I do have a problem of everybody trying to portray Yeshua Bar Yosef as, you know, a, he he wasn't even, and, and Christian. He wasn't a Christian. He was a (laughs) Jew. He was a Jew. They're like, the Jews killed Jesus. I'm like, Jesus was a Jew. Yeah, he was They forget that. But anyway, okay, off topic, go back. Concerts, bands. Concerts,
1: bands. So, you know, so I went through this phase where I could not listen to it just because it brought my head back to a place that I wasn't safe to be. Um, and so, for about two or three years after I after I had accepted Christ and I'm, I'm kind of moving along, I, I moved up here to Springfield. I, I went to Baptist Bible College, that's where I graduated from, met my wife there. After about two or three years, though, you know, I'd hear music playing. I wasn't married yet. I hear music playing in the dorm, and I'm like, "That sounds awesome." so it can't be christian right kind of the same thing you, if it sounded good it couldn't be christian because most christian music to me was cheesy and even okay so when striper was in there at their peak um, i was still lost and we would right. make fun of striper striper was that they were like metal light you know they were they, it was it was just that was kind of a thing um but then back in the day i wouldn't listen to a hairband i wouldn't I mean, it was underground or it was nothing and I'm hearing this punk rock music coming from, from our Christian dorms, right? I'm like, oh, oh, my God, somebody's going to hell. And then I go down to see it, and it's a band. It's One Bad Pig, Christian punk. Holy, man, I fell in love. Once they, you know, they're like, no, dude, here, this is Christian music. And so I started listening to it, and uh, the message was strong. And I'm like, wow, you could do Christian music right. good, um, hard music
0: good. And so that started by reigniting my love for hard music again. Um, I can get that. I, I remember when I started and somebody's like, well, what do you like to listen to? And I was like, I listen to literally everything. Yeah. And they're like, okay, if you like uh, <clears throat> Linkin Park, I'm like, yeah, I love Linkin Park. Okay, listen to Red. Yeah. If you like rap, listen to Lecrae, listen yeah. to, you know... Um, and since then, I what mean, NF has just destroyed yeah. stuff, but uh, he's just brilliant uh, because there's so much depth in his lyrics. I think now a lot of ly- a good, good lyricists are dead anymore. Yeah. Uh, mm. It's hard to find really good lyrics, and his stuff is great, and it really is about is ba- his deep. behavioral health. Yeah. You know, his song Mansion is about Uh, literally. I was was the first song of his I
1: heard. That CD is in my car right now.
0: And literally, he talks about how he's got different parts of his brain where he locks stuff away because he doesn't want to think about it. And there's parts where he won't let people into. And I can so much relate to, like, the childhood abuse I went through, especially the sexual abuse and some of those things that happened when I was really young about how I locked it up because, trust me, nobody wants to go in there. Yeah, no. You know, it was deep. Or uh, the one where he's talking about uh, his notepad. You know, yeah. when he's going through the song talking about his buddy that he hangs his out with and back, raps yeah, with and from back in the day. So, anyway. That's his friend, I mean. But, yeah. They're like, if you like country, listen to Third Day. The lead singer sounds just like Travis Tritt. Um, you know, and now, like, uh, oh. if you
1: like. If you like rap, there's a guy out now called C. Blood. Letter C. Blood. And, man, the dude is phenomenal. Up and coming. Um, I haven't heard him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was he was the bad guy i mean he he lived that gangster lifestyle and then accepted christ and and he is just uh still unknown but needs to be known he he's got that just that dirty rap style but honors god with his lyrics and and very honest
0: yeah and and one of the problems i think i have sometimes too is i think because of the recovery space there's A lot of people that are like body brokers and stuff like that that have gone to rap to try to promote uh, these treatment centers that they're going to funnel people into. And because of that, there's so much crap rap out there from people in recovery that I think sometimes it almost alienates people. Yep. You know, so okay, back to. So so you started, you heard the band, started listening to music again. Yeah, so I started
1: getting back into music again. More is just, you know, that's what I was. That wasn't like the Gaithers. No, no, (laughs) it
0: wasn't the Gaithers. Definitely not the Gaithers.
1: Um, And I'm listening to all these bands like Tourniquet, Mortification, Living Sacrifice, and these guys are just amazing, hard, underground metal. And so from that, so now fast forward to, to, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, I, I decide I'm going to do, I want to do a devotional, right? I'm a pastor, and so I want to write a devotional that's geared towards people who don't know Jesus, I don't want it to be cheesy. It's not going to be, you know, I want it to be well done, um, life stuff, real life stuff. And so, here's another thing you got to know about me. I'm lazy. So, <laughs> so, okay. so yeah, I mean, I literally, it seems like I'm always busy, but, but it takes me a minute to get moving. And so, I'm like, I don't want to do all this work. That's a lot of work to write a devotional, you know, a big devotional and, and get all this out there. So i at this point now, I know a lot of bands, a lot of Christian bands. Right. Uh, we we were doing hospitality where bands would stay at our house. We were, uh, we had put on a few shows. So I'm like, uh, I need to do something. And so I call all these bands and I say, Hey, would you contribute? I want something real. I want something from your life that I can give to someone else and say. We know what you, we know what you're going for. Right. This isn't just some guy who grew up in the church and never, never was, never had, never did dope, never was abused, never was. You know, these are real life stories.
0: Yeah, I think the church kind of fails sometimes there, honestly, because Man. because it's almost like Instagram or Facebook where everybody, I mean. the they're dressed to the to the nines, and they put on their best face, and yeah. and they sit there and they act like they don't have problems, and that's why the person sitting next to them with problems dies dies by suicide a couple of days later because well, they feel like their faith isn't strong enough. Because if it was, they'd be like everybody there. So I think you know if you're church, one of those people in the church, please uh, be transparent. That's be, all I'm saying.
1: You know, if you're honest with somebody, it's a bad, ma- It's it's amazing how honest they'll be back with you and that's what we wanted this to be we wanted to be honest and so all these bands started jumping on bands i'd never known were hearing about it from other bands and they're like hey we'd love to do this with you and i said all right uh in fact and so we did this they they sent me all this stuff and we put it together and and then we give these out at secular concerts um it's amazing people would take these books and so we did the first book. And then we did, we're like, okay, we're going to do a second book. This was two year, a year later. We're going to do a second book. I was talking
0: to, you know, Dan Street. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Bread for talking war, to Bread for War. If you amazing. haven't checked them out, again, B-R-E-D, 4, the number, War. If you like metal, check out Bread for These War. These guys are, are <clears throat> just amazing and, and even better people.
1: And so I'm talking to Dan and I'm like, man, it would be so cool if we did a concert. He's like, yeah. I said, yeah, you know, like a festival, a hard, because there's all kinds of music festivals out there. But at this point in the Christian scene, it was all CCM stuff. If you were a metal or a hardcore band, you had to to jump on Warped Tour or something. And I'm like, no, this is was be a Christian. But he's like, okay, then let's do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, I'm just talking, right? And he's like, no, let's do it. And I'm, So, okay. So that's where, so the second year we have a book. And we do this. It's Chains Unchained Festival. We had, I think, eighteen bands the first year, uh, over two days, and we had about, I don't know, about two hundred and fifty people. So it was it was decent. We didn't make any money. And here's another thing you have to know about us: we everything we do is through our nonprofit, is Next Level Christian Promotions. We sponsor all. We're the ones that promote these shows. Chains Unchained is the name of the festival. And through nexo we didn't want to be just making money right um, we wanted to bless our community and so the only people that get paid at our shows for doing our shows are the bands the bands and the people who do the production, the sound guy, the light guy uh, everything we make overpaying bands and production we give that money away. nobody gets paid
0: like nonprofits non- or- yeah nonprofits
1: or- not non- non- smaller nonprofits that aren't you know like we have you have know, the big food, uh, what's it, the big food nonprofits Ozark Food Harvest. Ozark Food Harvest. Those guys are huge, and, and they have no problem doing what they're doing. Right. But, so we reach out to smaller food pantries to, um, you know, here in Springfield we have uh, uh, the Burl Center. Huge. I mean, these guys are big, but we have a lot of guys like you guys that are community-based. Right. And... And are doing the work. And so we're like, how do we make their lives easier? Well, we raise money uh, for them. And then, so the first year, second year, it was it was that. It was the third year, a guy makes a CD for us. Takes all these bands that, are, that have contributed to the devotional. Because now we're into our third devotional. Uh, and our second year of the festival. And he's like, I'm going to do a CD for you. And all the bands contributed music to this CD. And we still... So this thing just kind of morphed, and my my love for music that I had back in the in the '80s was just like, you know, it, it didn't just get lit and start growing. It just came back and consumed me. Right. Um, my passion for for the addiction community uh, that was who I was. You know, I, I came out of that, and and I cannot not reach back into that. Right. And so our our mission statement, um, it says, you know, we're here to, the church, many people fall through the cracks of the church, right? Um, we have homelessness that's out of control. We have addiction that's out of control. We have poverty that's out of control. We have abuse and human trafficking in this city that is out of control.
0: I think I saw something the other day, and it said, uh, Missouri was second only to, I think maybe it was Alaska, for uh, uh, men killing women. And Greene County, often when it comes to domestic violence, is the number one county in the state. You know, so what we're looking at is one of the top two, top three worst states for... You know, spousal murder, and yep. uh, and then we sit here in Greene County and kind of. I heard we went to to like second or third, and then I think we're back to first again. If you look at our homicide rate, yeah, it's I've just seen numbers from last year to this year from March through June, and we almost tripled our homicides from March through June of last year, January through June of last year compared to January through June of this year. Uh, our opioid overdoses, we saw 120% increase, uh, March through June, we saw an 88% increase in drug overdose deaths, March through June, last year, this year, we saw almost a 40% increase in suicide deaths and that's all Greene County statistics.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if overdose deaths are huge. We, I mean, four people that I know of last, in the last two weeks, um, it's a solid, one was a solid person that I thought was doing great and, um. Man, it just you never know. And and you look at Springfield and you don't think.
0: You know, we're we're oh, our, we're the our, buckle of the Bible. Yeah, we notes. are the
1: heartland, man. You we are but the issue is we're right in the middle of the country. And the same thing that makes the same thing that makes us really good to be able to do the shows we do, because every band travels east and west and north and south and we're right there in the middle. Right. But it's also why we have such an, a huge dope problem. It's also why we have such a huge trafficking problem is that we're right in the middle. <laughs> and if you're going coast to coast, you come right through here.
0: Yeah, we're, I mean, we have, St. Louis is kind of that crossroads where yeah. we have multiple interstates that go through it. Yeah. It's like uh, 44, what is it, 270? Yeah, uh, numbers, You
1: know, it's, I don't do numbers. So, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> we've got
0: stuff coming down from... Canada. That's being brought in through Canada. We've got stuff coming up through Mexico, through Texas, Chicago. Then we've got stuff being brought through from both the coasts that are coming in there. Through, I mean, we're kind of, I mean, it made it awesome for the industrial area era. era, But you know, as uh, chaotic use has grown, just. Rampant, And I think as more environmental things like you're talking about, yep. like, you know, institutional racism, uh, yep. intergenerate, you know, multigenerational poverty, uh, uh, trauma that we that's unaddressed and mental health that's untreated. And then unemployment rates and hopelessness. And now we're looking at covid where, you know, people are being isolated, it, which increases their depression. And we have people that, you know, they don't know if they're going to have a job and when you live in a place where most people are literally paycheck to paycheck, if they don't get their next paycheck, they're going to lose their housing. They're not going to be able to feed their, 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 their family. There's, I don't have sick days. So if I get COVID and can't work for two weeks and my significant other has to, who also has a job, um, has to turn around and quarantine also for two weeks, then we're not getting, We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose food. We're going to lose our car. You have all that going on. And I think it's why we're seeing such a huge drive in what they call deaths of despair, which are suicides and drug and alcohol poisoning. Yep. So, overdoses. And uh, it's,
1: you know, it's, and it, it, it breaks my heart to look at the way everything, it's like the perfect storm. Everything's come together. And, the big cities get all the attention. St. Louis, Chicago. Right. Here it would be St. Louis or Kansas City. Uh, then maybe going over to Oklahoma. But Springfield's we're the third largest city. The third largest metropolitan area in Missouri. And it just seems like everything has uh, blown up here. Um, but that, that's what drives us. Um, somebody took time when I was when i was addicted somebody took time to reach out to me my grandparents when no one what i thought no one else would there were people that right. would have helped me but i
0: could you know i had i had the the blinders on and i couldn't see that so you're another one of those stories if you look <laughs> and this always hacks people off because i know tons of people especially you know Uh, People in recovery and people in the church that will disagree with me, but if you look at the research that's out there, tough love does not work nearly as well as we've been led to believe. I mean, um, you know, I I was one of those people too. I had, you know, I have people that I call my Ananias, you know, that reached out to me and loved me when I did not love myself, who saw value in me when I saw no value in myself. You know, my sister. I tell people my sister enabled me to life because I would have been dead many times over if it wasn't for her being that one person in my life that loved me, treated me with respect, even though I was where I was and it done and was doing what I was doing. And if it wasn't for her, literally, uh, I would be dead. I mean, there was a she walked in and found me. Dead once after I slashed my wrists, and fortunately, was there to call an ambulance. And that was after her tough love experience, where she was like, If you don't quit, I'm gonna be gone. Yeah, can't keep doing this. And fortunately, she came back like 15 minutes later, like, What is I think? What was I thinking? I can't do this to my brother, and found me unconscious in a pool of blood in the bathroom. See,
1: so I would agree with you on it. But tough love, there comes a time where we have to.
0: You know, Always healthy boundaries. Yes,
1: healthy boundaries that's different. is different. I and still
0: love you, but I can't have you in my house because your baby you know, uh, yes. your baby brother lives here and if you were to drop something out of your pocket and he found it, he'd put it in his mouth and die. Yes. Right? But I, yes. I still I love you, I care for you, you know, yada yada yada. But you have to set health. yeah, you, healthy yeah, go ahead. Healthy boundaries and, and that's see me, my dad,
1: I I used to think if you didn't if you didn't give me what I wanted, you were my enemy. And and I held hostages. Right. I didn't have friends, and, and even my family. And my dad, me and me and him, man, we bumped heads so much. He was my. If you were to ask me, who's your worst enemy? Until I was about 25, 26, I have said my dad. My mom loved me. My mom loved me unconditionally because she would give me everything I wanted. Right. She really didn't, but she didn't give me everything I wanted. But she did love me unconditionally. My dad, I didn't see that because you know addiction lies right and so but after i got saved he was my best friend i don't like the tough love i like the boundaries i, I will be honest um, i will not tell someone a lie just to make them feel better but i will not shut someone out of my life because right um, you know you may not come in like i said you may not be allowed into my house but if you have an issue and you want to talk to somebody let me know and i will meet you at starbucks i
0: will meet you right. at. You know, we'll sit down and we'll talk. Hey, guys, we're going to stop this right here. Um, And we're going to pick up exactly where we leave off here in our next show. I hope that sounds great to everybody out there. Join us again. That's right. Next week. Thanks, guys. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. There's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, blir underscore NPO. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network.